So many home fragrance scents smell unnatural, super sweet, chemically, or maybe even like a part of the mall you can't wait to escape. And after learning that the candle industry contributes to an insurmountable amount of non-recyclable waste, carbon emissions, and toxicity in our air, I am so happy that Notes Candles exists. Notes Candles is on a mission to help eliminate single-use candle vessels and give home fragrance lovers a more earth-friendly option without giving up high-quality fragrance that actually seems amazing. I have been loving burning the Santal and Atlas Cedar scent. It's woodsy, calming, and smells so good. I can't get enough. I love it. And they have other amazing one-of-a-kind fragrances like oat milk and balsam berry, vanilla and pepperwood, and pistachio and rose water. Every single one of them is exceptional. Be a responsible consumer while not giving up high-quality home fragrance by making the switch to Notes. You can build your custom starter kit right now at notecandles.com slash bestofyou. Right now, Notes is giving listeners 15% off and free shipping when you buy a Notes starter kit using code bestofyou. Just use code bestofyou when placing your order. That's code bestofyou at notescandle.com slash bestofyou. I've started adding Organifi's unflavored collagen into my food every single day. It's sourced from four real food ingredients, including pasture-raised cows, wild-caught fish, eggshell membranes, and organic bone broth protein. It helps replenish and rebuild the body's most abundant protein, and you'll enjoy the benefits of healthy skin, hair, and strong nails. You can easily integrate it into your day as I have by adding it into your morning coffee or your favorite stew, meal, or dessert, or into one of your other favorite Organifi beverages such as Glow. Organifi's superfood blends offer plant-based nutrition and high-quality ingredients. Each blend is science-backed to craft the most effective doses, and they are such a great replacement for those sugary snacks you're tempted to reach for in the afternoon or late at night before bed. The best part is that you can experience Organifi's high-quality superfoods without breaking the bank. Head over to www.organifi.com slash bestofyou and use code bestofyou for 20% off your entire order. That's www www.organifi.com slash best of you. Hey everyone, I'm Dr. Allison, and I'm so glad you're here to discover what brings out the best of you. This podcast is all about breaking free from painful patterns, mending the past, and discovering our true selves in God. I can't wait to get started as we learn together how to become the best version of who we are with God's help. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to this week's episode of the Best of You podcast. I'm so glad you're here. We are in a new series this fall. I'm calling it Psych 101, but it's really a masterclass for adults who've been adulting in the trenches for a while. This series is designed to teach you the skills you need to take control of the one thing you actually have control over, which is yourself, the way you think, the way you respond, the messages you tell yourself, even your emotions to some degree. You can shape how you respond as a result of your emotions, right? So these are the skills you need to take command of yourself so that you can show up more effectively with others. Research shows that when we develop agency, that is when we develop the ability to take charge of ourselves and guide and shape the way we show up in any relationship, in any situation, in any interaction with someone else, we feel a higher level of satisfaction in ourselves, right? We feel that good pride of, I just did it. 
I did that thing that is so hard for me to do in that moment. We feel more positive emotions. We have that feeling of what psychologists call self-efficacy, that I can do it. I have the capacity to change my behaviors, which produces a different outcome. It's an amazing feeling. It's the opposite of feeling crazy, right? When you think about that colloquial definition of crazy, which is it's doing the same thing and producing the same result time and time again. It's like continuing to beat your head against a brick wall. Nothing changes, but we're not changing the thing that we're doing to potentially produce a different outcome. Self-efficacy is the opposite. You make a positive change. You take charge of yourself in a situation resulting in a different outcome, and it boosts all of these positive feelings inside. It's a feeling of confidence, of empowerment, of I can affect change in my life, and it starts by changing myself. It always starts with something that we have control over. We can never change another human. We can change ourselves, but as we change ourselves, whether it be an emotional pattern, a thought pattern, a behavioral pattern, we will begin to produce different results in the environment around us. So that's the big picture goal here. With all that being said, we're going to start with emotional intelligence. Now, emotional intelligence is a big concept, and I'm going to break it down for you today and give you some practical examples of what it looks like to apply emotional intelligence. The term emotional intelligence was first popularized by psychologist and author Daniel Goleman in a 1995 book called Emotional Intelligence. And then there's a second book called Emotional Intelligence 2.0 by Travis Bradbury that expands on the topic. Essentially, what Goleman hypothesized is that EQ or emotional intelligence is as important, if not more important, than IQ. Right, We all were pretty good about this idea of what's IQ. It's how intelligent everybody is. But what does that really mean? It's usually a measure of our verbal skills or our mathematics skills. We talked about this in episode 59, Types of Intelligence, where increasingly we are aware that there are many types of intelligence and the ability to do math or to be verbally intelligent. It's just one type of intelligence. Well, emotional intelligence is one of these types of intelligence that Daniel Goleman hypothesized was super important. And sure enough, it turns out to be as important, if not more important, especially in our work and professional lives, but also in our relationships. So according to Goleman, emotional intelligence is the ability to do five different things as they relate to your emotions. Number one, to recognize your emotions. That's one part of emotional intelligence is simply the ability to notice and name an emotion. I'm scared. I'm sad. I'm worried. I'm angry. That's the first step of emotional intelligence. It's just that ability to be able to notice, recognize, and name an emotion. Okay, this is what we try to teach our kids, but so many of us as adults never learned how to slow ourselves down enough to simply recognize and label an emotion. Number two, emotional intelligence is the ability to understand your emotions, right? To process them. That might mean I can first recognize that I'm sad and that I can secondly understand why 
I might be sad? What's the context for the sadness? What just happened that evoked the sadness? Is the sadness from the past? Is the sadness from something that just happened in my immediate sphere of awareness? Is it about a memory? Was it triggered by a thought or was it triggered by a behavior that I witnessed happening in front of me? So understanding our emotions is a whole separate step from simply being able to label them. It's really important that you begin to process that emotion correctly because we often misattribute emotions, right? We might say, I'm really angry when your spouse says something to you, when in fact, they didn't say anything that should have evoked anger. They tripped over a trigger that might've been from somebody else from 10 years ago. Emotional intelligence is tricky. It's both being aware of our emotions and understanding them in their proper context effectively. And then number three, next level, we have to be able to manage them. This is what I'm feeling in this moment. This is why I'm feeling what I'm feeling in this moment. I understand it. And now I have to regulate the feeling. I don't want to act out of the feeling. I don't want to sin, quote unquote. If you think about the scripture that says, in your anger, do not sin. It doesn't say, don't be angry. It does not say that. It says, when you're angry, don't sin, right? So that's part of emotional management or what we call emotional regulation. I'm aware that I'm angry. I understand why I'm angry. And I'm not going to act out of my anger in an inappropriate way. I'm also not going to sideline my anger. Managing an emotion or regulating your emotions doesn't mean we stuff them. It means we honor them by considering how our behaviors can reflect those genuine emotions in constructive ways. And this leads to the next part of emotional intelligence. According to Goldman, there's recognizing, understanding, managing, and then effectively expressing your emotions, right? So that's exactly what happens now if we're doing this really well. And again, listen, if you've kind of become really good at emotional intelligence, this will feel like a muscle memory. You've got it in your muscle memory. You just go in and you know what to do. But for so many of us, different steps of that along the way are still really hard. We have to really slow ourselves down to be able to even label and recognize the emotion, let alone to regulate it, to give ourselves a pause, to give ourselves a timeout before we get to effectively expressing it, right? It's not just expressing it, it's effectively expressing it. I'm angry. I need to let you know that. Here's why. It takes a calm nervous system, right? We can't be in that fight flight state where when we're emotionally activated, we just rush in for the fight. We rush into the conflict with a tone. We're angry. We're yelling. That's not effective expression of emotions, but nor is flight effective expression where we just run away as fast as we can because we don't trust ourselves to not just go DEFCON 2 on somebody and blow up. So we just avoid it. We run away right? That flight mode isn't effectively expressing emotions either. It is to some degree managing them, right? And if you're new to this and you really struggle with that fight flight, going into flight mode for a moment might be a step forward for you to manage it so that you don't hurt someone else. But the goal is that calm nervous system, that homeostasis where we're aware of the emotion, we're understanding it, we're regulating it. We're not just 
lashing out of it, nor are we suppressing it. Instead, we're aware of the emotion. I'm angry. I don't like feeling this way, but I do. This is how I feel. I'm journaling about it. I'm taking a walk. I'm taking some deep breaths to let that emotion flow through me so that it's not quite so intense, right? This is all part of that management. And it's for the goal of this last step, which is, and then I'm going to need to express it. I'm either going to need to express it in my journal. I'm going to need to express it to God. I'm going to need to express it with a safe friend, or I may well need to express this emotion with the person who evoked it. And I want to do that effectively. So this is a lot. This is all part of emotional intelligence. Each one of these steps could probably warrant their own podcast episode. Now, there's actually a fifth component to emotional intelligence, and that is the ability to recognize, understand, and influence the emotions of others. So it's not just about me and my emotions when it comes to emotional intelligence. It's also about having an emotional intelligence about your emotions. Now, here's the thing. Again, if you go back to that episode 50 on the nine types of intelligence, there's intrapersonal intelligence where you're very gifted at understanding your own inner states. You're aware of your own emotions. You're aware of your own experiences internally. So if you're naturally high on that intrapersonal awareness, that intrapersonal intelligence, for you, those first five steps might come fairly easily. You're really readily able to identify what you're feeling, to understand it, to manage it, and to express it effectively. But then we go to that other type of intelligence, interpersonal intelligence. How well do you read others? How well do you attune to the needs of others and respond to the needs of others in an intelligent way? So that's getting at this fifth part of emotional intelligence. It involves the ability to recognize, understand, and even influence the emotions of others. The Coffee with Kaylee podcast is back for season three. A touring wife and mother, Kaylee Dickerson, gets to the heart of the matter with the people that matter most to her. She and her friends catch up over a cup of coffee, sharing intimate stories of their lives. And Kaylee wants to invite you to come have coffee with her and her friends as they catch up, open up, and have conversations for the soul. You don't want to miss episode two, which is our candid conversation with Lauren Aikens, or episode 25, where Kaylee and her husband, country music star Russell Dickerson, discuss one of the hardest years of their professional lives and what it was like to walk through a miscarriage. You can listen and subscribe to Coffee with Kaylee anywhere you get podcasts or click the link in this episode show notes. I love cooking at home, but there's nothing worse than when food sticks to your pans. And that's why I'm so excited to introduce you to our new sponsor, Green Pan. Green Pan introduced the world to ceramic nonstick cookware, and they are the leaders in creating cookware without harmful toxins. I love how my Green Pan frying pan cooks everything through so evenly without any of that sticky food left on the pan. And it is so easy to clean up. Aside from various cookware collections, Green Pan also carries kitchen appliances like slow cookers, waffle makers, bakeware, and premium cutlery. And they've got a 60-day return policy, so you have plenty of time to make sure Green Pan is right for you. So toss those plastic pans and upgrade your cookware with 
GreenPan. Head to GreenPan.us and use promo code BESTOFYOU and you'll receive 30% off your entire order, plus free shipping on orders over $99. That's right, that's 30% off. Whether you buy one pan or a whole set, that's 30% off. So head to GreenPan.us and make sure you use our promo code BESTOFYOU or they won't know we sent you. I am always looking for ways to save time and money while also maximizing health benefits, and that's why I am thrilled to have discovered Thrive Market. Thrive Market is my go-to for all my grocery and household essentials, and the convenience of getting everything online and quickly shipped to my doorstep is just un. Beatable. I love that Thrive Market carries brands with the highest quality ingredients and sourcing methods. They restrict hundreds of ingredients across their food and cleaning categories, and I can easily use their on-site filters to get really specific about what matters to me. For example, I can filter out low sugar, non-dairy, gluten-free, any of those very specific dietary needs that anyone in your family might have. And as a Thrive Market member, I save money on every single grocery order. On average, I save about 30% each time. And best of all, when you join Thrive Market, you are also helping a family in need with their one-for-one membership matching program. You join and they give a membership away. Join in on the savings with Thrive Market today and get 30% off your first order plus a free $60 gift. Go to thrivemarket.com slash best of you for 30% off your first order plus a free $60 gift. That's T-H-R-I-V-E market.com slash best of you. Thrivemarket.com slash best of you. So let me give you an example of what emotional intelligence might look like. So imagine you've been invited to a party. Maybe it's a neighborhood event. You haven't seen these people in a while. You're you're a little bit anxious. You know, you're excited, but you're also aware, wow, I'm going to walk into this room full of people. I don't know a lot of people here. I haven't seen a lot of people here. A lot has changed in my life. I'm aware that I'm going to feel anxious. You've prepped yourself for that. You're going to be a little bit anxious. You understand that. It makes sense. You don't feel shame about it. Of course, I'll feel a little bit anxious. That makes sense when you walk into a big group full of people, people you haven't seen in a while. You've thought about how you're going to manage those emotions, right? You've prepared some scripts. You've thought about how I'll I'll smile. I'll look for this person that I know really well, who I really enjoy. I've envisioned myself walking into the room and what that will feel like when I see the different people. I've normalized the anxiety. I've talked myself through it so that when I feel it, when I walk into that room, I can take a deep breath. I might even say to my friend who I see, say, oh gosh, this is so fun. And I also feel a little bit anxious. I haven't seen these people in a while. And and then my friend says, oh yeah, me too. I was also a little bit anxious about this party. And suddenly we're connecting and we're laughing and all those good chemicals are being released, right? That's an emotionally intelligent way to go about the simple activity of having some anxiety before going into a neighborhood party. You've recognized the emotions. You've understood them without shame. You've figured out ways to manage them. It's normal. I'm going to take a deep breath. I'm going to look for a couple of safe people, and then I'm going to express to those safe people what I'm feeling in that moment, which alleviates the pressure of the emotions. I have a connection and all of a sudden there's good chemicals coming in. I'm starting to have a good time. That seems like a simple example, but imagine what happens when none of those steps of emotional intelligence are in place. And I see this honestly happen all the time where we've suppressed that emotional awareness. We don't want to deal with it. 
So instead, we are feeling anxious, but we're pretending like we're not. We might work overtime to make sure everybody else feels okay. We might get busy, roll up our sleeves and start doing all the dishes. You know, we have all these coping tactics for the emotions. We don't end up having a good time because we spent the whole party either taking care of everybody else and ignoring our own emotions with all that heightened anxiety still in our body that we're not aware of. We end up beating ourselves up because we feel like we were too intense or we feel like we didn't really connect with anybody. We have all this negativity in our minds because we weren't present to the reality of what we were actually feeling. And then it goes on and on, right? Over the course of that next week, you bump into a neighbor. Wasn't that party great? Oh, it was fantastic. We smile, even though we actually had a terrible time. And now we're just cycling through more and more and more disingenuous connections. We're never actually stating what's true. You know, that party was hard for me. I get really anxious about parties. We're never really connecting in a meaningful way. Why go through the motions? If the goal of being with other people, of gathering with other people, being in a room with one other person, with five other people, with 20 other people is connection, why go to all that bother if we're not actually connecting? And how do we connect authentically if we don't exercise some of this skill called emotional intelligence, if we're not aware of what we're feeling in the moment in the first place. This is baseline for human connection. How can I connect with you if I'm denying or suppressing or covering over such that my genuine feelings in the moment aren't even allowed to come to the surface in a meaningful, effective, healthy way. Why are we doing this? Why are we going through all of these motions together if we're not really connecting? We do this in our intimate relationships. We do this in our family relationships. We do this in our social relationships. We do this in our church communities. Why bother going through the motions of all the work it takes to be with other humans if we are not actually showing up in a meaningful way, both in terms of understanding our own internal lives, what's happening with me in this moment, and in terms of being connected to what's genuinely going on with you. Each person is doing the work of recognizing and labeling their own emotional state, of understanding it so there's no shame there. It just is. This is what's true. This is what's happening. Each person is regulating their own emotions. So I'm not just bleeding all over you, even if I say something true, even if I say, yeah, it's kind of been a rough day. I don't need you to take care of me. I've done the work. I'm managing my own emotions. And what's also true is I'm still hurting a little bit because I can sense that you're with me and you're saying, oh, I get it. I'm so glad you were honest with me. You know, here's how I'm doing, right? And there's suddenly this moment of connection. It's real. I'm being real. You're being real. We're not taking care of each other. I'm not trying to cope by avoiding myself and jumping into your problem. I'm not asking you to fix my problem. I'm just being real. You're being real. We're together. We're connecting. What a beautiful moment. This is emotional intelligence. 
What does research show about the benefits of emotional intelligence? Well, I've gone through it in the picture that I just painted, but essentially emotional intelligence paves the way for deeper, more fulfilling relationships with other people. It helps us to connect on a more authentic level. Those are big gauzy words, but that's what it means when we're actually being real in a moment with another person. We feel seen, we feel understood, we feel known. And that exchange in and of itself brings deep satisfaction and relief. Number two, emotional intelligence produces more resilience. Instead of getting bogged down by our emotions or bogged down by challenges, we are able to approach them with balance. We can honor complex emotions, different emotions. I have a job that I really value and sometimes it's really hard for me. That's emotional intelligence. When we can really honor the complexity of the challenges we're facing, maybe it's a parenting issue, maybe it's a marriage, maybe it's a friendship. A lot of things can be true in this moment and I can honor all of those things, which allows me to develop this emotional tolerance or resilience where I don't need things to be perfect to thrive. I can tolerate some ambiguity in a moment. This helps us manage stress better because we're more prepared. We start to prepare our bodies. We start to prepare our minds. We start to prepare our nervous systems to cope with things that are hard because we've named them. We've understood them. We're not deceiving ourselves. We're not pretending anymore, which allows us to equip ourselves to face the challenging situations that we face. And then lastly, it leads to an improved self-concept an improved sense of satisfaction in yourself, a better sense of well-being. It just feels good to go, man, I just faced that. I can do it. I have a sense of confidence in myself. I can show up for this hard situation and it won't take me out. And that feels good to our system. So there's a lot of benefits to emotional intelligence. Here's the good news about emotional intelligence. It's not a trait. It's not something you're born with. It's a skill we develop over time. The same as any muscle that you develop in your body. You start to work on it a little bit each day. You start to develop the muscles that lead to emotional intelligence. It's never too late to develop the skill of emotional intelligence. We're going to start with the basics of self Awareness. We need to be aware of God, aware of God's movements, aware of God's spirit. We need to be aware of others, aware of their emotional states, aware of where where they might be hurting. And we need to be aware of ourselves, of when I'm hurting, of when I'm fearful, of when I'm activated or angry. All three types of awareness are essential to healthy relationships. And again, you may be listening to me going, oh, I'm pretty good at God awareness, or I'm pretty good at other awareness. I'm terrible at self-awareness. Or you might be someone who's really aware of yourself, and you have a really hard time reading other people. Just start there. That's self-awareness right there, that awareness of, oh, this is hard for me. I need some work here. This is a muscle I need to work to develop a little bit more. That is the essence of self-awareness. Self-awareness is being really honest, radically honest with yourself. There's no shame in self-awareness. It's simply noticing 
what's true? Right now, I feel insecure. I wish I didn't. Right now, I feel overwhelmed. This feels overwhelming to me. I can't process this. That's self-awareness. If you're feeling that right now, that's awesome. Give yourself a pat on the back. Listening to Dr. Allison right now is making me feel overwhelmed. I don't think I can do this. If you're feeling that right now, I want you to pause and go, oh my gosh, that's self-awareness. This is overwhelming to me. Or if you're listening to me right now thinking this is elementary, I know this, why doesn't she move past it? Pause right there. You're aware of something in yourself. I already know how to do this. That's excellent self-awareness. It's simply noticing right now what's happening inside of me. What am I aware of? There's no right or wrong with self-awareness. It's what is. What is happening right now? Just a tuning in and recognizing and naming what you notice, right? So to take a step towards self-awareness, journaling is a fantastic research-based way to begin to become more aware of what you're thinking and feeling. There's something about picking up a pen and starting to write out on the page and externalizing the things you're thinking and feeling that helps you see it more clearly. Start with just 10 to 15 minutes every day and ask yourself, what am I feeling? Why am I feeling this way? And start to journal about it. I'm feeling sad today. Why am I feeling sad? I don't know. And you just start to follow the rabbit trails of noticing what's happening inside your mind. And when the timer ends, stop, right? You don't want to get overwhelmed by it, but give yourself 10 to 15 minutes a day. Don't censor yourself. There's no right or wrong. This is what's true. There's no bad or good in this space. There's just, this is what is. And you can turn it to God. You can say, God, this is what I'm feeling right now. It's what is. I want to be honest with you. The truth sets us free. These are not binaries. This is what is in the moment. You're not acting on it. You're simply acknowledging and you're beginning to reflect, right? So these are those first two steps of emotional intelligence, recognizing the emotions and understanding them. You might ask yourself, what happened right before I started feeling this way? What was it that I did? Did I open up a social media app? Did I scroll past and see something? And again, there's no judgment here. No matter how silly it may seem to you, oh, why did that post create such a havoc of emotion inside of me? But just honor it. Own it. You got some information about yourself. That's good data. That's helpful to understand yourself. That's all you're trying to do. You're getting curious about what you notice. No shame. Sometimes when you're working through these first couple of steps of recognizing and understanding, locating what you're feeling in your physical body can be helpful. You might do a body scan where you notice from head to toe where you're carrying tension in different parts of your body. Some people tend to be more attuned to the physical body, so they might notice that I have tension in my neck or I have a headache. Whatever it is, just notice that as a form of self-awareness. And then you can begin to ask yourself, I wonder where that tension is coming from. What emotion might be behind that tension that I'm noticing in my neck or shoulders? So self-awareness starts with simply beginning to pay attention to your emotional states, to physical tension in your body. And journaling is a great way to start just taking 10 to 15 minutes to notice what you're aware of each day. 
And then we're going to move into self-regulation. Now, sometimes the reason we're a little bit afraid to become aware of an emotion is we feel like the emotion will take us over. And that's really understandable, especially if you have a history of trauma, if you've never done this work, if you have a lot of pain. I just don't want to become aware of all that pain because it'll overwhelm me. That's a really normal fear. And again, that's great self-awareness. That's a really beautiful first step of honesty. I'm a little bit afraid of my emotions because I don't know what to do with them. And if you're feeling that way, it's a great opportunity to meet with a therapist to work through that. Say, you know, emotions are a little bit scary for me. And so I want to work through them in a safe, guided setting where I can learn to pace myself as I unpack those emotions. Okay, so that's another really normal thing to notice. As you're thinking about regulating your emotions, you can think about a couple of different exercises. Breath is one of the most well-researched way to slow down emotional responses. So if you notice an emotion, to take a deep breath. Practice breathing in and holding for a count of four and then slowly releasing that breath. It's just a physiological, simple intervention that slows down the firing of the nervous system and allows you to calm yourself in that moment. Another way to regulate emotions, especially if you have a lot of big emotions, is a grounding technique called the 5-4-3-2-1 technique. Andy Kolber writes about this technique in her book, Strong Like Water, I found it to be very helpful to me. It brings you into the present moment in a really manageable way. What you do is you look in the room around you and you identify five things you can see, four things you can actually touch with your hands, three things you can hear, two things you can smell, and one that you can taste. And this diverts your attention, bringing you into the present moment and out of big emotions. So again, there's some people who need to bring their emotions into their conscious awareness. They need to try to understand them more. They tend to sideline their emotions. Other folks have the big emotions and they need to learn how do I make the emotions less big in the moment, right? As you breathe, you might notice emotions, but you're also noticing them and in a contained way without the rapid firing of your nervous system, grounding techniques. When you're having a big emotion, you start to ground yourself. Five things you can see, four things you can touch, three things you can hear, take some deep breaths, two things you can smell, one thing you can taste, and your emotions start to get a little smaller. Now, another thing you can do to help regulate an emotion In IFS, we talk about emotions being attached to parts. And as you connect to that emotion, you can use the power of your imagination to imagine that emotion behind a glass wall where it's with you, but not overtaking you. Anger is here with me. It is not all of me. Sadness is here with me. It is not all of me. A part of me is sad. A part of me is angry. And right, that's getting at that intrapsychic differentiation where you allow an emotion to be with you, even as you have a little bit of healthy distance from it. Okay, so those are some different techniques. Remember, we're recognizing, we're understanding our emotions, and then we're managing 
them. Managing doesn't mean making them go away. It means keeping them at a healthy distance, not too big, not too small, just right. Here's the emotion. It's here. It's not taking me over. I'm not desperate to get away from it. And that's when we begin to move into the next step of expressing ourselves effectively, where we speak on behalf of an emotion, or we care for ourselves through the experience of an emotion. It doesn't always mean we have to go tell somebody, although that's a wonderful way to express on behalf of an emotion, whether you're telling the person directly or whether you're seeking support from a friend, but you can also do it through taking a walk. You can express an emotion through music that helps you metabolize that emotion. You can do it through movement. There are a lot of ways to express emotion. You can get anger out through beating a pillow. These are all ways that we begin to express the emotion, get it out of our bodies in a healthy Wait, I want to just touch on this other awareness, this interpersonal intelligence, becoming aware of other people's emotional states in an emotionally intelligent way. It has to do with empathy, and you can cultivate empathy. You can cultivate the ability to step inside someone else's shoes if it doesn't come naturally to you. And my favorite technique is to simply ask yourself, I wonder what this other person is thinking and feeling. And imagine going through their day, the two hours preceding when you had an interaction with them. And the best example of this is when you and your spouse both show up at the dinner table after a long, hard day. I am so aware of the day I've had. I am so aware of what's going on inside of me. But take a minute consciously, right? This is a decision. It's a muscle you're developing to think about what's going on in my spouse at this moment. What happened the two hours preceding them showing up at the dinner table or my child or my friend? What happened in their life the two hours preceding this interaction? They were maybe sitting in traffic, stuck. Maybe they had a bad day at work. Maybe they had a bad day at school. Maybe they had a bad conversation with someone else. Imagine what that other person has just gone through, those two or three hours preceding them coming into your immediate sphere, right? You are each bringing into that moment of contact a whole world of stressors, a whole world of thoughts, a whole world of feelings. And the more you will become aware of your own and can simultaneously Imagine, oh my gosh, that other person, this other being in front of me is showing up to this moment with a whole world of their own stressors, their own hard conversations, their own traffic jams, whatever the things are. And you can begin to remind yourself of that. You're going to dramatically improve your ability to connect in that moment. Now, remember, it's not sidelining yourself. Some of us sideline ourselves and we're so empathetic. We know that this other person is struggling so much when they show up at the moment with us. It's not taking yourself out of the equation. It's both. It's here's what I'm coming to the table with today. All the things that have been hard in my day, all the things I've been worried about, all the things I'm just ragged about 
And oh my gosh, this person sitting in front of me, same thing. They're coming to this moment in front of me with all the things that are hard for them, all those conversations that went sideways, all the ways they're beating themselves up. We are both right here with all of that. Let's start getting real. This is emotional intelligence. This is spiritual maturity. This is what it means to become more like Christ. I am so aware of everything I'm bringing to this moment with you guys. It's here. It's with me. And I'm going to honor you by regulating myself. I'm not going to dump all of this on you because that's not fair to you. I'm also not going to sideline it because that's not fair to me. And guess what? If you are simultaneously doing that same work, you're coming to me aware of everything that's going on inside of you and all that's hard about it. And you're also going to be mindful. You're not going to just dump that on me. You're also aware that I'm coming to the table with my own stuff. Oh my gosh. Can we have together a beautiful moment of genuine connection? It just starts so simply. How are you? Oh man, it's been a day. How about you? Oh, it's been a day. Yeah, I see you. Me too. Me too. Right? And you just right there with almost not that many words. You are so present to each other. Yeah, I'm pretty overwhelmed. Yeah, I'm overwhelmed too. All right. Good to know. How can we be tender with each other? in this moment, right? Or maybe one person is like, I'm actually doing great. I'm in a good place, which frees you to say, I'm struggling. Would you have capacity to walk with me through some of my struggles as I process them, right? It allows us to each take responsibility for our own responses, and it leads to these beautiful relationships that God designed us to have. I'm always looking for ways to try to build healthier habits and maximize health across every front. And that's why I'm so thrilled that this podcast is sponsored by AquaTrue. AquaTrue is a water purifier that uses a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process. That's a fancy way of saying the water goes through a very thorough filtering process. AquaTrue removes 15 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters. I love my AquaTrue. I just fill up my giant water bottle so I can be drinking water throughout the day, which I know is so good for my body. And best of all, without the waste of plastic water bottles, AquaTrue uses the same technology utilized by all the major bottled water brands, but it's available for your home without the plastic waste. The countertop purifiers work with no installation or plumbing. They're so easy to install and they last a long time. An AquaTrue filter can last from six months to as long as two years. It's time to get peace of mind with AquaTrue. Today, my listeners receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier. Just go to AquaTrue.com. That's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com and enter code best of you at checkout. Plus, AquaTrue comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you don't like it, just send it back for a refund minus shipping. One last time, that's 20% off any AquaTrue water purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com and use code BESTOFYOU. When you or someone you love can't get to work or to school or even travel comfortably in a car because of nausea, it's a terrible feeling. And that's why I'm so happy this podcast is sponsored by Relief Band. 
When it comes to nausea, Relief Band is the number one FDA-cleared anti-nausea wristband that has been clinically proven to quickly relieve and effectively prevent nausea and vomiting associated with motion sickness, anxiety, migraines, morning sickness, chemotherapy, and so much more. The Relief Band itself looks like a really cool watch you wear on your wrist. You can wear it all the time. And best of all, it uses technology that works with your body. It's 100% drug-free, non-drowsy, and zero side effects. It's that simple. Plus, Relief Band helps you avoid nausea from becoming a problem in the first place. So if you want to tap into your body's natural healing system to actually relieve your nausea quickly and effectively, check out Relief Band. Right now, we've got an exclusive offer just for Best of You listeners. If you go to reliefband.com and use promo code Best of You, you'll receive 20% off plus free shipping. So head to R-E-L-I-E-F-B-A-N-D.com and use our promo code Best of You for 20% off plus free shipping. Now, in closing today, I want to share with you a couple of illustrations of emotional intelligence from the Bible and then one from real life that I think is just a really great example. So the first one that we see is when Jesus confronts those who are about to stone the woman who's caught in the act of adultery, right? And if you think about this, let's go through the steps of emotional intelligence. When the religious leaders ask him, you know, they're trying to test him and they're like, don't you think we should stone this woman? She's been caught in adultery, right? They're they're trying to set a trap for him. And Jesus is pretty calm. He doesn't race to an answer. He doesn't get impulsive. He takes a moment and bends down. He grounds himself in that moment. He puts his finger in the sand. He grounds himself. Maybe he's even counting to 10, taking deep breaths calming himself, right? There's that self-awareness and that emotional regulation in that moment that we see in Jesus. He's gathering himself. He's aware of whatever it is that he feels inside. He takes a minute to regulate, and then he communicates, hey, whoever among you has never sinned, has never found yourself in a position like this woman is in right now, why don't you go ahead and throw that first stone. I mean, that's a brilliant, emotionally intelligent response. And then he turns to the woman with empathy. He reads her emotions. He's reading the whole room. He's reading himself, and he's reading the woman with empathy, saying, you go in peace. I don't condemn you. You're free, right? He sets her free of her shame. He knows this woman. He knows what she needs. He's reading her accurately, perfectly. Now, we're not going to be Jesus. We're not going to be able to perfectly read a situation. But that story shows all three elements of his self-awareness, his ability to regulate his own emotions, to ground himself, his ability to read the other people around him, both folks who are trying to trap him, whom he calls out, and folks who need his compassion, right? He's reading all of that beautifully. Now, there's another example where we see emotional intelligence in Jesus, and that's when he turns the tables over in the temple. We see emotional intelligence there. Emotional intelligence doesn't mean we don't have emotions. He doesn't like what he sees when Jesus walks into that temple and he sees it being used as a marketplace where people are exchanging money and selling animals for sacrifices, right? This distortion 
of his father's house. He doesn't like it. He's aware of the anger. He regulates himself. That act of overturning the tables is not impulsive in my estimation, in my view. There's no indication that he's out of control. It's a strategic move to show and express the depth of his anger. He doesn't hurt anybody. He's not motivated out of cruelty. He's not trying to harm people. He's not beating people up. He's showing the depth of what he feels about that situation. There's self-awareness, there's self-regulation, there's understanding, and there's appropriate expression. There's genius in that moment. And there's an example that I want to close with. It's from a book by Tim Keller with Kathy Keller called The Meaning of Marriage. He tells a story in the book about something Kathy does that reminds me of that emotional intelligence of Jesus when he turned those tables over in the temple. I want to close with this story because I want to paint a picture for you of emotional intelligence. It's not being a doormat. It's not always being kind. It's a little bit like what we talked about in episode 57 about should I turn the other cheek? This is not being a doormat. This is shrewdness. This is being strategic. This is knowing the power of your emotion, the power of what you feel, aligning the power of what you feel with the truth of what is good and right in the universe and effectively expressing on behalf of those emotions so as to impact other people. There's a lot of power in emotional intelligence. And in this story that Tim Keller tells He and his wife, Kathy, have negotiated during his early work as a pastor. He's going to be working crazy hours for about three years. That's what it takes. And she's agreed to that. They've gone in eyes wide open. He's going to be working all the time for three years to try to build this church. And she said, okay, that's going to be hard, but I share this vision with you. Okay, three years pass, and he is still constantly working overtime. He's not making good on his end of the bargain. He's not scaling back. And she sees this. Essentially, he keeps wanting more. Oh, I just need more time, just a little more time. And she's done. She's like, I gave you the three years. You're building the church and I see what's gonna happen. You're gonna become a workaholic. I am never gonna see you. And 20 years from now, we're not gonna have a marriage. This is gonna destroy our marriage. She's seeing this. I gave you three years, I'm done. You need to scale it back. You need to put your marriage first. This is my take on the story, right? I'm imagining this is what's going on. And in the story, he walks in And she has taken some of their wedding china, and she is smashing it. Now, he's freaked out. He's like, what is she doing? And she is saying to him with laser focus, you are destroying our marriage. What I am doing to our wedding china, I am showing you what it is that you are going to do to our marriage if you don't rein your workaholism in. And she's destroying these china saucers that were a wedding gift to them. And he talks about, he's like, he thought she had lost her mind, but oh my goodness, did she have his attention. And later, come to find out, she planned it. She was angry. She was aware of being angry. She understood her anger. He had betrayed her and he was getting set to betray her for a lifetime. And she was not okay with it. 
she regulated her emotions. She got her anger down to enough of a degree that she could manage them. She didn't lash out. She didn't yell at him. She didn't throw the dishes at him. She was not motivated by hurting him. She was in command of her anger, right? And then she expressed effectively on behalf of that anger. And she knew there was the only way, words hadn't worked, the only way to get his attention was this very physical metaphor for what he was doing. She even told him later that she had chosen the saucers for teacups that had already broken. So the saucers that she chose to smash strategically were actually ones that didn't have a match anyway. So that's how strategic she was. She was not taken over by her emotions in that moment. She was strategic with her emotions. She was making a point. This is what you're doing to our marriage. And she smashed the saucer so that he could see it. And he got the message. She also knew her husband. She knew him. She knew what would speak to him. This is not a lesson that I would prescribe to you or to my therapy clients. This is a lesson rooted in emotional intelligence. The moral of this story isn't go break wedding dishes to get your spouse's attention. That is not what this story is about. This is a story about emotional intelligence. She was in command of her emotions. She understood them and she harnessed their power to express effectively in a way that she knew this man that she loved and knew very well could hear. The moral of this story is emotional intelligence. What are you facing that is igniting some emotion inside of you? You're aware of it. You understand it. You're regulating it. And then you begin to think to yourself, what is the best way to express what I need to express in this situation in a strategic way? That's emotional intelligence. It's a skill we all need to develop to become the fullest, truest version of our God-made selves. Thank you for joining me for this week's episode of The Best of You. It would mean so much if you take a moment to subscribe. You can go to Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, or wherever you listen to podcasts and click the plus or follow button. That will ensure you don't miss an episode and it helps get the word out to others. While you're there, I'd love it if you leave your five-star review. I look forward to seeing you back here next Thursday. And remember, as you become the best of who you are, you honor God, you heal others, and you stay true to your God-given self.